This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 54 The Smurl Haunting Reports of strange occurrences and sightings of ghastly figures are made every day. However, most often, these reports are very small-scale and short-lived. Unfortunately for one family, that was not the case. Each and every member of the household felt the effects of these strange occurrences and the negative energy that surrounded them and left them traumatized for a very long time. Jack and Janet Smurl had fallen on hard times after their beloved family home in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania had been badly damaged and flooded during Hurricane Agnes in the summer of 1972. The family was left with a small amount of their belongings and very little money. Along with many other families in the area at that time, they were forced to relocate. The family was fortunate enough to purchase a duplex, along with Jack's parents, John and Mary, in 1973. They packed up and made the move to their new home at 328-330 Chase Street in West Pittston, Pennsylvania. John and Mary moved into one side and Jack and Janet, along with their two daughters, Dawn and Heather, moved into the other. The home needed some general maintenance and cosmetic work, but it was the best they could afford at the time. Jack and Janet quickly went to work making minor renovations and adjusting to their new surroundings. The neighbors were quick to welcome the family to the neighborhood, one by one, they would come over to introduce themselves, offering to help them settle into the community. Jack was given the chance to join the local Lions Club while Janet helped to form the West Pittston Lioness Club, serving as the first president. The couple also started the girls' softball league where Jack coached the team. Meanwhile, Janet assisted in organizing the local chapter of Students Against Drunk Driving. It was quite easy to recognize that the Smurl family were making a name for themselves and an impact on their community. They were very driven and thriving in their new town. 
Jack was even promoted at his new job, and Janet became pregnant with twins, expanding their loving family. In the first 18 months of living in their new home, they were very happy. Not only were Jack and Janet doing so well, but their daughters were doing extremely well in school. They had both become quite popular and had gained many new friends. Despite their busy schedules, the family still made time to continue to improve the house. They remained hard at work replacing plumbing, painting, installing new carpet, and making the home more their own. However, it wasn't long before strange things started to occur. In January of 1974, while Jack was replacing some of the pipes, he went to grab some of the tools he had been using and was surprised to find that they were missing. Confused by this, he searched everywhere, but they were nowhere to be found. He decided to get up and went to ask one of the daughters if they had taken them, but neither of them had even been near him while he was working. When he returned to the pipe he was working on, the missing tools were exactly where he had originally left them, where he had initially searched. Although he found it strange, he assumed he had just overlooked them and went back to work. A few days later, while Jack was at work, Janet decided to start painting the walls, as there were several large stains that she wanted to cover. After a few coats of paint, she had covered the stains completely. However, a couple of days later, the blemishes in the wall had returned making their way through the multiple layers of paint. Once again, she attempted to cover them, but the stains always returned. The family continued to make improvements on the home. Janet had new carpet installed. After it was installed, she found what appeared to be a grease stain. Not wanting to deal with the hassle of contacting the company that installed it to replace it, she decided to clean the grease stain herself. Just like the stains on the walls, it returned every couple of days. This baffled the woman as she made sure to clean it thoroughly. Despite the strange behavior, she still had the rest of the house to worry about. These were not the only strange occurrences the family experienced. At random times, appliances such as the toaster would catch fire when they weren't even plugged in. Jack had also purchased a new car. While driving one day, the wiring caught fire. Additionally, after installing new bathtubs and toilets, the family would find claw and scratch marks as if something had physically damaged them. The first nearly two years would soon become just the beginning of the horrors they would experience during their time living there. In 1975, Dom was awakened by demonic and grimacing figures floating around her room and above her bed. She immediately alerted her parents, but they did not witness it for themselves and assumed it may have been her mind playing tricks on her 
in the darkness. It wasn't long till other strange things started occurring in the home. The family would often hear and witness toilets flushing on their own. The sounds of disembodied footprints could be heard overhead when no one was upstairs. On multiple occasions, drawers and cabinet doors would open and close by themselves as if some unseen force was purposely doing so. Appliances and radios in the home would turn on even when they weren't plugged in. Additionally, the family rocking chair would creak and rock on its own. The family became scared of living in their own home. In 1977, Janet gave birth to twins, Shannon and Karen. After this time, the haunting occurrences in the home grew quiet. For years, the home remained normal. The Smurl family were even able to return to their normal lives, while the twins grew and the home became full of love and happiness again. All was well again for the Smurls, till 1984, when an extremely foul stench consumed the entire house. The smell would come and go, off and on, for an entire year. However, there were no other occurrences to follow, till one day in 1985, when things took a turn for the worst. Things started somewhat calm. One night, Janet was doing laundry downstairs. From behind her, she heard her mother-in-law, Mary, call for her. Janet? When she turned around, no one was there. Additionally, Mary would hear the sounds of violent outbursts and arguments coming from Jack and Janet next to door. She could hear the couple yelling and cursing at each other. When she went to confront the couple, Janet was home alone and hadn't been arguing with her husband. Nor did she hear anything herself. As the days progressed, so did the darkness that seemed to surround the Smurl family. The temperature would often drop in the house to an unbearable icy chill. Dark figures were often seen throughout the home, sometimes in the form of a featureless humanly figure. Other times, they were seen as a darkened mass that would pass through walls and disappear without a trace. On the night of the second oldest daughter, Heather's confirmation, a large light fixture started violently shaking from the ceiling. It was then thrown, striking young Shannon in the process, cutting her shoulder. The family had no choice but to carry on with their evening and left for church shortly after. On another evening that same year, Jack and Janet had been intimate. While Janet was straddling her husband, she was thrown off of him. At that moment, an overwhelming putrid smell of burnt flesh and fecal matter filled the room. 
Jack was left nearly paralyzed and gagging till the smell extinguished. The occurrences started becoming more and more frequent and gruesome in nature. On multiple occasions, the family dog, Simon, a German shepherd, was thrown against the wall. Another time, the family witnessed a ghostly force that dematerialized the dog through the wall and into another room. The family often awoke to the sound of the walls shaking or heard loud, piercing, scratching sounds coming from within them. One night, Jack and Janet were awakened by a loud thud at the bottom of the stairs. They were horrified to find their young daughter, Shannon, had been pulled from her bed and thrown down the stairs. Every member of the family then started to experience being thrown from their own beds. On another occasion, Jack was kneeling at his bedside, praying, and was thrown violently across the room. While carrying on day-to-day activities, the women in the house would often experience the sensation of being slapped. Sightings of shadow figures became more and more frequent. Lights would rapidly turn on and off, and one night while watching television, it caught fire. The family was at their wit's end. Eventually, they contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren, a demonologist and medium from Connecticut to come to their home. They brought along Rosemary Thorpe, a nurse and psychic. Despite Janet's skepticism, they had to do something. After an investigation into their home, the Warrens determined the family were being haunted by four spirits. One was a senile and harmless old woman. Another, a young and possibly violent girl. A man who had suffered and died in the home. And a demon. They assumed that the demon had most likely been in the house for decades and never made itself known or wasn't awakened till one of the girls in the house reached puberty. The Warren stated that demonic forces are often attracted to houses with young girls going through puberty. It allows the demon to feed off of their emotions and come to life. The couple attended to expel the demon. Despite their efforts, they were met by a message telling them to get out of the house. The Warren spent a while investigating the home and eventually left. The demonic force in the house had grown restless by this point. One day Jack was watching a baseball game on the television when he became paralyzed. The demon then materialized in front of him. It was a woman, roughly 65 to 70 years old, with a very firm body, that of someone much younger. It was scaly and covered in pus-seeping sores. Its eyes glowed a fire red and it had a green mouth with long jagged teeth, like that of a vampire. 
It then lashed out at him in his most vulnerable state and raped him. He could feel a sticky semen-like substance that seemed to expel from the demon's vagina. Just as quickly as it came, it vanished shortly after. Jack became haunted by the event and suffered nightmares on multiple occasions. He couldn't get the image of the demon out of his mind. The Warrens put the family in touch with Father McKenna, a Roman Catholic priest, to perform an exorcism on the house. However, this only made matters worse. Karen, one of the twin daughters, ended up in the hospital. The demonic force in the house then started causing chaos and turned the daughters against each other. Jack and Janet needed to get their family out of the house. They packed up and took them camping for the weekend. Later that night, a young girl visited them, picking up a large trash can and spinning it in midair and then threw it. They immediately got in the car to go back home when it started vibrating violently, causing them to have to pull over till it stopped. No matter what they did, the family could not escape the forces that were haunting them. The demon in the home continued to torment the family, picking them up, throwing them, and sometimes even speaking to them, saying, One strike, two strikes, three strikes, you're out. On a separate occasion, Janet too was assaulted by the demon. It had inappropriately touched her as she was lying on the couch. Janet could feel something inch its way up between her legs and then throw her off the couch and begin choking her. Janet could not move or breathe as it tightened its claw-like grip around her throat. While this happened, she pictured herself being one with Jesus till the event ceased. Father McKenna was then called back and performed another exorcism on the home, but was met by no change in the frequency of activity. Despite the continued issues, the church still refused to become completely involved. In 1986, they decided to go to the press, and Ed and Lorraine Warren then returned to the Smurl home. Jack and Janet went on a talk show called People Are Talking. They chose to remain anonymous due to the risk of public ridicule, and sat behind a screen. Despite being able to finally tell their story, it only infuriated the demon further. One day while Jack was working around the home, he was visited by an eight-foot-tall pig-like creature that snarled and drooled and attempted to come after him. Once again, Jack was paralyzed and raped by the demonic succubus. The Smurl's daughter Dawn even came forward and stated that she was also assaulted by the demon. This was the final straw. 
They no longer cared about the risk of mockery or public scrutiny and contacted the press, granting interviews. Several members of the press and paranormal research groups were invited into the home. Additionally, a priest was allowed to come stay with the Smurl family. After a couple of days of no activity, the priest left with less evidence than he arrived with. The Smurl family then started to consider proposals from scientific research groups to come and visit the house. Paul Kurtz reached out to the family requesting to allow a team of scientists to come and visit the property. In exchange, he offered to provide a hotel and psychological evaluations to be done on the couple with the agreement that the results would not be publicly shared. However, they declined Kurtz's offer. A short while later, several priests from the local Catholic church visited the home, separately from the church. They carried out a minor exorcism on the home. The family's surprise, it appeared to finally work leaving the home silent for a while. After several months, the family found themselves being terrorized once again. In 1987, they could not take it any longer and chose to pack up and move out of the house. Sadly, that was only a temporary fix as the demonic force had followed them. In 1989, the Catholic Church finally granted a proper exorcism. After that, the family was able to live peacefully and experienced no more occurrences. The haunting of the Smurl family was no more. One can question why the Smurl family stayed in their home, enduring the constant trauma of being haunted and assaulted on a near daily basis for so long. It is worth it to note that the family had experienced a catastrophic event that caused them to have to move in the first place. Additionally, the family experienced no real evidence of paranormal behavior in the house for the first 18 months that they lived there. However, the lack of physical evidence may suggest the story was nothing more than a fabrication or hoax. Due to the widespread fame the story developed, it is easy to see that the family did indeed experience something in their home on Chase Street. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. <laughs> On it. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. This is um. This is a wild story. Yeah. It's, this is a uh, so much. It's pretty out there. Yeah. I'll have to agree with that. I'll say, like right up top, one thing that makes me sort of skeptical about the entire story. Um. Because obviously I'm on the fence. I live on the fence. But 
the one thing that one one of the things that makes me skeptical about it is the fact that they went to the press with it and you know you can assume like in a world where they made all this up then they would have made it up when they went to the press in the early 80s right 83 is that what you said uh well they Um, they initially went to the press in 1986 oh 86 yeah so there are like tons of by this time movies like um oh what's it called amityville horror right movies like that are all over the place at this period yes you know what i mean like the whole whole conversation we're about to get into it's a culture Uh, i'm just saying like i i instantly thought of like you know because like when we talk about ufo stuff one of the things we always consider is like is the shit out there at this time you know what i mean like is it is this like a could this have been like a culturally influenced thing right um so yeah that's just one of my thoughts right off the top well one thing to piggyback off of that uh since since we're starting with starting there um this this is where i start to question this case as well because there was one point that of course they originally went to the press you know they didn't want to risk like public scrutiny and all this other stuff so they remained hidden at first sure um you know when the when the church chose to not allow a proper exorcism um, mm-hmm. they decided the best way to combat it was to go like balls deep in it and like let everybody know their story at yeah. that point they just like didn't give two shits and basically were like yeah we'll just tell we'll tell people um so this is this is where it really gets me right um so basically i mean for a lengthy period of time uh this their house is under constant watch by the community the press like newspapers tv like everything right paranormal groups constantly being watched they i read in several reports that people would be out there two three four o'clock in the morning standing in front of the house just watching just waiting for something to happen exactly people would climb on top of the porch just to try and catch a glimpse in one of the windows um that's uh, super creepy in a house full of girls exactly yeah no doubt um there was a there was a report done um by the morning call newspaper in the area in 19 i believe it was it was actually released in 1987 um but that even said one or even said one of the uh one of the members of the police force that were that chose to remain anonymous because the police in the town didn't want to become involved like uh, didn't want to become involved in the media and all this other stuff uh because i mean it was like they also saw it as pretty pretty out there but uh one of the one of the the members of the police even said like they would go out there early really early in the morning again two three four o'clock in the morning and they'd find like people in the trees climbing the trees 
staring into the house and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, not only a few people, but crowds of people out there at all hours of the night. So it got to the point where the Smurls, like, they they decided they didn't like being <laughs> in, like, in the public eye that much. Uh, yeah. You know, they they eventually told the media, like, you have to stop. We, we don't want any more, you know, we don't want any more press. We're gonna, not going to do any more interviews, whatever else. So it eventually died down. Uh, but yeah. what's funny about it is shortly after... They struck a book deal. Yeah. Um, that was co-written by Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yep. And uh, the author, um, I can't remember the author's name at this point, but it's called The Haunted, if you want to look into it. Yeah. Uh, that tells I the Smurl story. Actually have an interesting tidbit that I, that I ran into um, about the book, which is the author came out afterwards... And because he basically was like a, the Warrens were, or at least Ed Warren was like a strong advisor on the book. Right. right? Oh, yeah. Like, heavily. Mm-hmm. So he came out after the book was released a few years later. And he said in an interview that he, after sending the original draft to Ed Warren, Ed Warren's only note that he sent back was a list of things that he wanted him to add to make it scarier. Well, see, the thing about that is, as at the time, like you had mentioned, this is shortly after, like, the Amityville case. Yeah. And the book and the movie were written, or were created, and the family admitted that it was all fake. Yeah. But Ed and Lorraine Warren swore up and down, no, it was real. Even though the family yeah. said, no, this this yeah. was actually fake. It was all it was all basically a rude. Like it was, you know, a hoax. Yeah. Um so that's that's where I really like I start to question this story. I question everything that they're involved in now. Um Me too. You know, that it which is crazy, you know, it, it sucks too. Because I love the cases and I love the whole like conjuring like franchise and everything. Sure. Um, movie wise, they're fantastic. So here's a question for someone who who likes the Conjuring universe movies and you've seen all of them, right? Correct. Yeah. Do you do you think that because the movie they made about this, The Haunted, same title as the book, right? It was the, a made-for-TV TV movie. movie. Yep. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance of them remaking that for the franchise for the the Conjuring universe or is there too much sexual assault in it? To be honest, I think that I I honestly I think that they could and I I, I if they try to drag this whole like universe out, I think yeah. that they will. Um I think like the sexual bits of it will probably be extremely subtle. Sure. You know, obviously for the sake of, you know, just... Decency? Right, decency and also, like, you know, not trying to draw too much, like, negative, uh, our, you know, attention to our, them, right? See, because I've seen, like, basically none of the Conjuring Universe movies. So, like, 
Are most of them R-rated, or are they P- are they a PG thirteen a franchise? I believe they're all PG thirteen. Okay. So right, because that's like two levels like of horror movies, right? Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, you know, something like this story, and especially like the sexual assault. Uh, yeah, you know that was committed against Jack, Janet, daughter Dawn. You know. Um, yeah, I think would would make that pretty. That would definitely draw an R rating. Risque, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. I don't. I mean, the point you made about the Warrens, I couldn't agree more. I personally, I'm gonna say, I think of Ed and Lorraine Warren as like hoaxers. I really do. Yeah. No, I, I know. I, like that's I have that's to a agree with controversial, you. Yeah. yeah, that's a fairly controversial take on them, and to just like say it plainly. But I, anyone who's like heard me talk, knows that I think hoaxers are super important. Like, I don't think that makes them like not valuable. Right. I think. Yeah. Of course. Because I think putting things out there creates phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren have probably been responsible for creating more phenomenon than any, except maybe the Patterson Gimlin footage of I mean, Bigfoot. Because they had, what, hundreds of cases. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they talk about them, and it's huge. Right. Like, it, they have this massive movie franchise and all that shit. Like, yeah, I mean, went on to be books and become, yeah. like, especially even, like, the Smurl case was nationally known. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, yeah, gained recognition all over. And just yeah. like we were talking about before the episode, I mean, they were in on, like, the Oprah show, you know, like, things yeah. like that. So, yeah, I mean, it was a very widespread known case. Yeah. So while I do consider them hoaxers, I think they're important. I think they've they've created they've brought a lot of awareness to to, you know, the phenomenons. Phenomena. Right. Of course. Um but yeah, I I, I do think about that. I think about most of their cases in that way. Yeah. Um, Especially with not Ed to say being, that I was gonna say like an ex policeman self-acclaimed sure. demonologist right like yeah yeah right and i don't i don't I, you know again i'm i'm not going to dismiss it because i think that they probably were a part of some real very real cases yeah and i think lorraine warren was a legitimate i think she was legitimately sensitive yeah to all this stuff um i don't think it, i mean when i say that they're hoaxers i think what I really mean is they're they're exaggerators. They over embellish everything. Everything. Right. Everything. Of course. Yeah. Uh, same. I think of same for sure. I think of Ed Warren as kind of like a proto Zach Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> for some I mean? reason I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um just because at at a certain point, I don't know if it started that way because I know he he has this whole history where he like grew up in a haunted house and when he got out of the military he wanted to like find other people who had had experiences like he'd had and right. all that stuff but like i think at a certain point it became more about getting famous or staying famous 
than it was about <clears throat> actually seeking answers. Yeah. You know. Though you do have to credit them because I think they are definitely not fully responsible, but partially responsible for creating, for essentially sparking a community of believers that Absolutely. continues into today and has, has grown tremendously. You know, I yeah. think especially at that time where these things were more taboo, but this couple were going against like all odds, you know, and yeah. despite whether people believed what they were doing or not, or thought that it was, you know, um, believable or there was any credibility to it. They still, I mean, they were, they were pushing, pushing onward and creating this, um, just, you know, this phenomena or whatever, where yeah, a whole field of study, allowing it to be okay to even look at things like this. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I, I definitely stand behind, you know, stand behind that. Like, I think without them, I don't, I don't feel like we would have had as many world known cases like we do. Uh, obviously we wouldn't have, you know, things like the whole like conjuring universe and things like that. I mean, of course there's, sure. there's many other franchises and things like that, that really focus on, you know, different, uh, events and things like that but a lot of their cases i mean have gone to be some of the most known like horror movies in existence yeah um and also have gone to you know become the laughing stock of you know whatever else right but yeah. i don't i don't know i guess what i'm trying to say is you know without without how much that they provided to the community i don't i don't think we would be quite where we are i mean maybe at this point we would be but i think they helped to jumpstart a lot of that yeah i think there's a reason they're considered the like grandparents of the modern paranormal investigations right you know what i mean like they they basically took the like spiritualist movement of the early 20th century and they blended it with you know religious concepts yeah i think that's one of the, that's one of the things that always kind of makes me grimace is like ed warren's obsession with demons like everything's a demon um, yeah that's of course every so Zach every Reagan's damn house stuff too. Uh, yeah exactly but like i i always imagine like lorraine is in there like oh there's this ghost he's an old man there's i can feel another ghost is a little girl and, and on the sidelines, Ed's, Ed's like, like, is it a demon? Is it a demon? I bet it's a Ed's demon. Ed's like, and a demon. The third one's a demon, right? It has to be a demon. Like, yeah. Um, and that reminds me a lot of Zach Baggins, right? Of course. <laughs> it really does. Everything's yeah. a demon. Every, like, and I feel like because they were so, I mean, they're Catholics, right? They're yeah. like devout Catholics. And so was the Smurl family. So, right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, you think the the Warrens, because the Catholic Church is so known for exorcism, that like, you know how when all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail? Yeah. Right? I feel like exorcism is their hammer, so they had to find a demon 
in every house so that they could use exorcism as the tool to fix it. But at that point, you know like, I mean? the Catholic Church starts to question these things. And that was at the point yeah. that they had to slow down and the amount of exorcisms that they were doing because they were all very, they were becoming all too frequent. Yeah. You know, so the Catholic Church really toned down and started to question each case that they were doing, um, which obviously was that- probably a very good proper move to make. Yeah. That's why most of the Warren cases there, you always get that like, they did a minor exorcism on this house that the Catholic Church wants nothing to do with. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they do a lot of those in their cases. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, they have this friend who's a priest, so he came over and <laughs> said some words. Right. The church the church wanted nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, which is weird. It, I mean, it's weird for them to, like, claim to be such devout Catholics, but they're consistently going against the the Catholic Church's rulings on... But that was also a pretty common thing in some of... I some, know. I guess a lot of these cases, you know? Yeah. That, like, these priests would go against the Church's wishes and what was yeah. actually allowed and, you know, we're still doing these exorcisms and, you know, things like that that uh, obviously weren't working very well. Yeah. Uh, Most of them, they'd come in and do that, and either no change, or it got way worse. Right. You know what I mean? That's so often the story is they called Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they spent the night, and then the next day they started getting punched in the face by the ghost (laughs) that used to just rattle the silverware drawer. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no doubt. There's a lot of that. Um, So all that shit talking about the Warrens aside, I think the modern... Warren Foundation does like a lot of really good work. Yeah. Um, like we have a friend of the show, um, Ken Torres, who is like their West Coast regional director. Um, and I think they do a lot. They do a lot of cool. Th- oh, yeah. I mean, I think they're doing they're doing good work. It's more, mo- you know, it's it's kind of that more modern take, too, which is, which yeah. is a, a lot different from the approach that Ed and Lorraine took. Now. Yeah. One thing to kind of piggyback off of that uh, before we go further, just like we were saying, because all this, you know, they would come in and then things would become worse. Ed liked to use what he referred to as religious provocation in cases in which he would use different items and, you know, these different prayers and things he would do to literally provoke these yeah. demonic forces and spirits to like come out of hiding. So no Proto-Zach wonder, Baggins, man. <laughs> right? So no wonder though, when they would leave, they're like, yeah, all right, we'll see you guys later. And then everybody starts to experience much worse occurrences because they go in and piss them off. Yeah. Like that was Ed's whole job. <laughs> yeah. He literally, he just goes into this house full of children and he's like, bring it demon. You're yeah, a bitch. Your exactly. mom's ugly. And then he leaves. Yeah. I they mean, get to go home. <laughs> he was notorious for that though. And and he even admits in multiple like interviews, like, yeah, this is this is a method that, that I use, you know, so yeah. we can try and make these things known, make them present, like you know, so we Just can get so rid they of can them. Look at them. <laughs> get rid of them. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's I I wonder I wonder if I've ever met someone with that level of hubris. 
to think that they have the power to expel some like <laughs> otherworldly being. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a lot. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. I I I have to agree with that. Um it I think Ed Warren had like hero syndrome where he like saw himself as the hero in an action movie. Maybe that was maybe All that was time. his thing. Yeah, maybe maybe that was his problem is that yeah. he did have the need to become that hero figure. Yeah. Um I mean obviously they they were doing something that wasn't being done by anybody else at the time. Yeah. And they helped to resolve a lot of cases too sure yeah there are a lot of reports of that right exactly so we can't say that they you know like what they were doing wasn't effective sure it just wasn't wasn't never effective it wasn't always right yes (laughs) yeah 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 they solved a non-zero amount of cases (laughs) that's a good way to put it yeah I'll take it um yeah. So here's a weird thing. They lived there for a year and a half before anything happened. Right. Did they, did they have any theory as to what sparked it? Well, Ed and Lorraine Warren did. Ed Ed's theory was that is it a puberty thing? It, right. So once uh once Hannah had the I, oldest I, daughter. She was the uh, second youngest. So the oldest daughter okay. was well, she was like 15 or so when they moved in. Uh, maybe okay. she, might have, she had already experienced puberty. She was already going sure. through it. So yeah, um, when the second oldest daughter, Hannah, had started to go through puberty, that's when, that's when it this demon, off. right, this demon started to feed off of this, these emotions sure. and, and everything that yeah. she was experiencing. This um, liminal space within her. Exactly. And then made itself yeah, yeah. known. But like his theory was that it sat dormant for decades in this house. Okay. Did the demon tell him that? I I, I can't say, but <laughs> stuff like that. That, me that out, was man. his theory. <laughs> it blows my mind how people can say that to another person and the other person just goes, okay. Makes sense to me. <laughs> like, like what? I'm gonna need like some some deeper background on this. What makes you and think I, that way? <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. that's what I want to ask. You know, like is that? It amazes me how these people can like feel a whole paragraph. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they get all this like insanely intricate information from a feeling. Yeah. It's weird. Well, I, I guess it was easy to assume because it was a family full of young girls. First of all, so knowing knowing what yeah. we know about girls and growing and aging and sure. the family was a Catholic family, so Hannah went through her confirmation um, yeah. you know, while being in this house. So there were a lot of pretty big moments in just yeah. this young girl's life and her up you know her upbringing her growth like her growth um that were such monumental and pivotal points in her life that i guess makes sense for these things to develop 
You know, I mean, Ed fell back on that theory a lot, you right? Know? Like, he was obsessed with the idea that like demons ate girls' periods. I mean, yeah, like that's what they were after. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the other thing, the other thing also is that now, really, John and Mary, which were Jack, uh, Jack Smurl's parents, really didn't parents. experience a whole lot, like a whole lot. I mean, of course, like. Mary would hear, like, this argument that would happen next door that would never actually happen. So she would hear these things, right? Um, she would often... She also heard Janet calling for her sometimes when she wasn't there. But they really how never o- experienced anything. Now... How often was Janet just fucking with her? <laughs> just, like, yelling her I hope it was actually... That's all it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but uh, Mary ended up experiencing... Um, what well, she had... She ended up having what was it a heart attack or or something? I'm trying to trying to just go back through. Uh, but she some ended health up, emergency, right? She ended up having health problems and was mm-hmm. hospitalized and then basically bedridden for for a while. So you have you know not only yeah, so it was a heart attack. So not okay. only you have like these you know these young girls. And this energy that they're building, apparently, um, due to girl issues that are very common day-to-day things. Um, You know, but you also have this frail older woman experiencing a heart attack. And so, like, you know, like, these things are, of course, they're, from what we know, are known to feed off of people that are at their most vulnerable and yeah. like those times like especially like hard times um like you know especially the, so first of all we have the family falling on hard times so boom right there yep um, after the hurricane exactly right? and yeah. then the the grandmother or the you know, jack's mother and then uh the girls and you know all these things so like yeah i mean we're setting we're setting really a scene for something to happen possibly right also the classic motif of a house in mid renovation that another that as well space right it's it's disturbing you know this house house in transition but the thing about it is is they didn't experience anything for the first year and a half yeah i mean besides there were there were some little random things jack's tools would go missing and then come back yeah Appliances. You know, I interviewed um, <laughs> catch on fire and stuff like that when they were plugged in. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. So I interviewed. Um, oh, what was it? Julianne Guthrie. I and she's like a medium. I interviewed her a while back, and she talked about the, she and her ex husband used to flip houses. Okay. Um, and. She very frequently would have these experiences where tools would go missing, where things weren't where they were supposed to be in these houses that were mid-renovation. Um, and that, that just reminded me of it when you talked about how his tools were always coming up mm-hmm. missing. You know what I mean? I'm sure that's a, it's a probably pretty common, ex- you know, common occurrence. Yeah. Also, people lose shit. That too. Like... Yeah, that's a thing. I mean, he he got like rolled over and been laying on them. And he's like searching everywhere, like where the hell are they? Yeah, gets exactly. up, doesn't look back to see that you know he had, yep. was just like sitting or laying on him. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, 
that's where I, that's and he where comes I back tools. in the room and he's like there's no way it couldn't it could have been there when I was there yeah I mean you can't rule out the fact that people are dumb yeah of course <laughs> you know of what course. I mean like people do dumb shit also I have a lot of trouble always with these poltergeist stories in houses filled with children because I have lots of children and my house is noisy all the time all yeah. the time, I'm telling you. Of course, it's all yeah. the time. When all my kids are in bed, the house is still noisy. There's noises happen all the time. Like, well, maybe people are always talking about like, oh, uh, you hear like creaking footsteps, and everyone's in bed. You don't fucking know, right? You don't know what your kids are doing in the other room. You know what I mean? Like, there's there are always noises happening. Maybe what you're chalking off, you know, like chalking up to like being <laughs> your children, you're actually amidst a haunt, a haunting. I don't think so, man. <laughs> There's no like they'll talk about like they'll talk about how drawers will open on their own. Like your kid was probably up sneaking a Rice Krispie treat. That's yeah. And went to bed and left the drawer hanging. That's open. possible. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much stuff like that in and a house full of little, kids. And then little Mary's had diarrhea for the last week. She doesn't want to tell anybody, so, like, she's been going yeah, off. Yeah, she's up running off in the, the bathroom. bathroom. Right, yeah. Yeah, flushing yeah. the toilet in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's so many variables to consider, when, especially when you have that many kids. Yeah. It, it, that's also something to know. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously, that's the skeptic in you that's, you know, sure. that kind of obviously kind of goes looks at looks at that as being a possibility right yeah absolutely um but it's it's also that that makes sense too i mean that being said none of my children have ever caused an appliance to burst into flames especially when it wasn't plugged in right i will say that's very odd yeah that's very odd and there's always that shit about like radios playing while they're not plugged in of course like that, was it one of those 70s radios with batteries in it and you just didn't remember that there were batteries well, in like it? Well, 36D you know batteries. I mean? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. The kind you like pay for to put batteries in at one time and then when they die they're like, "Well, guess I'm not playing it on battery power ever again." Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Are D batteries even still a thing? I think so. I see them like hanging up on those end caps, those huh. battery end caps. Sometimes the more you know, I, I don't guess. know who the hell's like what buying... still takes something like that. Like everything now is like powered off of like double A batteries or triple A's. Like that's good enough, right? I know there are flashlights that take D batteries, but I just use like you know we have like flashlights for if there's like power outage. Is or that whatever. like flashlights from um, like the Civil War days? Yeah. I mean, they still have the. That's what I'm saying. Like, we have the flashlights we buy use lithium ion batteries. Right. Like 18, 18650s. Yeah, of course. Which, you know, it works say, much better. I've got one of those. Yeah, one of those yeah. around here as well. They have like yeah. LED lights versus like. Exactly. You, yeah. Incandescent. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think anything. That, I, I don't think that's. That's definitely not the best way to go. I think the last thing I owned that used a bunch of D batteries was a Kaboom box. I was going to say, yeah, I had like a a boom box as a kid that took like D batteries, I think. 
I think I was like 15. I had one. Do you remember the Kaboom box? The like round cylinder oh, shaped yeah. one? The ones that had the speakers on like the end yes. ends of it? Yeah, those were cool. Yes. Yeah, that was the last thing. I And I think that thing took like 14D batteries. That also had like a honestly. cassette player on it and a CD player. Yeah. So and like, a CD player. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You were killing it. I know uh, as exactly. a kid, like we would walk around town like playing those and like Yep. Old school like Blink 182 and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Like Blink and Noah. Less than Jake and, on the Kaboom right, box. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We thought we were awesome. Same. Um yeah. yeah, but still, I mean, you know, so yeah, it's it is it is weird. Um Yeah, but yeah, all the little things, like of course, electrical issues are prime like that's that's prime like haunt you know like yeah prime like telltale like signs of a haunt standard fare exactly yeah Uh, which i mean there's the whole theory of like energy right right that it's like pulling energy of course yeah using energy to make itself known yeah by like turning a radio on when it isn't plugged in or whatever or Um, dematerializing a dog See, why why are ghosts so mean to dogs? Oh. That's so common too. Like you always hear about these poltergeists like throwing people's dogs across the room. I've never heard of one dematerializing no, a dog that's, though. That's what I'm getting like, at. Like letting it walk through a wall. Yeah, like yeah. Here you go, puppy. Go go over there. That sounds like full bullshit. Yeah. Well, I gotta be honest. You know. Some of these, some of these little details. Some I of the just, claims are extremely out there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's a whole bunch. Another one I want to, I want to, I want to bring up because I've been waiting to talk about it. This poor little Shannon. Oh yeah, when the stairs. She, she gets pulled out of bed and thrown down the stairs. So yeah, I wanted to ask if anyone saw her get thrown down the stairs, or if they just found her at the bottom. So no one saw her. They just heard some thumps and just a thud at the bottom of the steps, and they cut. They like wake, you know, they run to find her, like all like contorted and whatever at the bottom of the steps. Sure, it was immediately assumed that she was thrown from her bed and pulled pulled down the stairs. Natural assumption, right? That's what I would assume. Yeah. She's what, five or six years old? Yeah. Yeah. Natural, she natural couldn't have been out and about, like, and, you know, maybe misstepped that last, you know, yeah. that top step. No, she had to have been thrown from her, from, from her sleep. I got to say, she was probably going to have diarrhea again <laughs> and flush the toilet and freak everyone out in the middle of the night. But instead, she missed a step and fell down the stairs. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No. She was actually pulled from her bed. You know, everyone ran up to her like, were you thrown? Were you thrown down the stairs? And she's fucking five years old. And she's like, thrown and fall mean the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. Sure. <laughs> Dude, could I... this story have more fuckery? Well, the thing, the just the thing about it is their reasoning for not believing that she not believing that she like fell down the stairs or anything was the fact that they would have had to have heard her footsteps and since they they didn't 
They assumed she was thrown down the stairs. That was their reasoning. Literally was... Were the mom... <laughs> were the mom and dad, like, secret Navy SEALs? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't think they were. I, no. Uh, Jack was, uh, like, a, a foreman at a factory. And Janet was just a jack of all trades, basically. Okay. So not Navy SEALs. Nope. Nope. So why would anyone assume that they would hear their five-year-old daughter walking down the hallway while they were asleep? Your guess is as good as mine, but this is that's really what dumb. they said. Right. That's really dumb. Super dumb. Nope. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that reasoning at all. Now, of course, the other things to kind of talk about are like the priest that came to stay with the family and stayed with them. It was like two or three days, I think. And before, before you get on the priests. Yeah. Cause, cause that I think we do have some talking to do about the priests for sure. But the, I want to talk about the random slappings, the like yeah. invisible, the invisible crew of the jackass movie that lived with them. I just imagine they're like just, cheek to cheek, just back and forth <laughs> being slapped. Yeah. See, I pictured it as, like, one solid shot out of nowhere. They're just, like, walking over to get milk out of the fridge and just, like, whack right across the face it's out like of nowhere. It's, like, slaps giving from How I Met Your Mother. Sure. Where, like, Marshall slaps Barney. Whatever. He has, like, <laughs> six slaps he can do, and it's always as hard as he possibly can. It just puts him, like, down for the count. Yeah. See, I instantly thought jackass. Like, I guess our minds they, go different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, you know, they often just walk up and slap each other in the face yeah. for no reason. Other I mean, than it's really funny to see your friend similar, get slapped right. in the face. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that. I I gotta say that would suck to live somewhere where you just occasionally get slapped in the face. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean that's. First of all, being slapped is, yeah, not pleasant at all. No. It's weird, because it's not, like, debilitating to get slapped. Right. It's, like, sort of embarrassing more than it's painful. Yeah, but But I mean, if you get, get, like, a good slap, and you're just like, damn. Yeah, the kind that rock you. Yeah, and you end up, like, just falling onto the ground, just, just, like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's that's a weird that's and that's a thing I've never heard in a in a haunting before. Usually it's like you know they scratched me on the back or whatever, and I think there was some of that here also. But right, um, no, the they, they got slapped. Is, that's a particularly rude ghost. Mm-hmm. I gotta say. Although I'm trying to decide if I'd rather be slapped or scratched. I think slapped. Slapped is gonna sting for a few, and then it's gonna go away. A scratch but is going to have more of a lasting impact, especially d- yeah. depending on how deep it is. It'll burn for longer, for sure. Right. But, like... And imagine if that... You don't get... That ghost fingernails are dirty. True. You wouldn't want to get a ghost infection. Right. You develop, like, a staph infection because a ghost scratched you? Ghost staph. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you don't get head trauma from getting scratched either so 
I mean, yeah. I suppose you're right. How often do you have to get slapped before you say, sometimes we get slapped? <laughs> <laughs> once or twice, I'm assuming. You think once If it or happens twice? more than once, then it's sometimes it happens. Yeah, but if it's once or twice, you'd, you'd think... We you got slapped say, like we once or twice. We got slapped a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> right. But if you say sometimes we get slapped, that's got to be fairly regular, True. right? True. Yeah. I, I, I didn't look at it like that, so... That that sucks. <laughs> that does suck. <laughs> this family had the worst luck, dude. Like, <laughs> apparently, I, if if it wasn't slaps, their Jack's TV catching on fire, you know, their <laughs> toasters catching on fire, uh, ghosts with diarrhea all the time. <laughs> Little Shannon Kids being thrown down the stairs. Down the stairs. <laughs> it was demonic. It's a bad run. Demonic. Uh, yeah, that's a bad run. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it was all made up. Possibly. <laughs> so uh, I guess before before we yeah move on to like the priestly things. Yeah. Um. I do. I did want to bring up this uh, the sensitive subject sure. of sure. the inappropriate uh, touching and um, you know assaults, right. the sexual uh, assault. Yes, that were yeah. uh, committed against Jack and Don and and Janet. Yeah. Um. This is it's it's a tough subject to talk about because I don't want to dismiss it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are people are rightfully sensitive about this subject, right? Exactly. And we we would never want to dismiss or minimize someone feeling as if they'd been sexually assaulted. Yes, right. No, it's, if and obviously the trauma from that I know is life lasting. Like, I mean, yeah, it's serious. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. So that's yeah. it's not something obviously we would want to provoke or, or anything like that right make light of exactly sure. but yeah you know given that this is something that we do need to discuss because this is part of these claims yeah um, and just as we've talked about before you never dismiss anyone's claims of something yeah. as serious as this yeah right and another thing that we've talked about a lot is an experience paranormal experiences are personal and they are real whether the that it's it's not the experiencer's job to prove to you what they experienced correct that those experiences are personal and they're real whether they're whether you can scientifically measure the experience or not it is something that the person experienced it's part of their lives it's just as likely to leave trauma in that person yeah so yeah for all intents and purposes, I think we should treat these as, like, real material sexual assault. Agreed. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, now, my thing, is, obviously, these started with Jack, which I feel like yeah. he was, I mean, in this story, was the primary target when it came to, I mean, on separate occasions. He was assaulted. 
Yeah. Now, my my biggest thing is just his description and depiction of the events. Yeah. Um, which outside of what happened, just the way that he described like this this de- demon succubus woman um sure. as 65 to 70, 70 years old with essentially like a 20 year old body yeah that's um all right. right yeah like strange things like that um along with like this scaly pus seeping sword you know sword covered body as well like it just something huh I mean, my question is like, how do you decide that's the body of a twenty-year-old, but it's also covered in scales and seeping sores? You know what and I mean? Also, like, it's chalk weird. it up to being sixty-five to seventy years old. Yeah, uh, it's weird. in its general form. I get. I, yeah. See, like this is this is what I this is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's it's hard to outside of not just dismissing obviously whatever he experienced yeah, yeah sure but taking the claims for what they are of what yeah. this thing is this is in, in one of those like where I, where I become a little skeptic and sure like the this it sounds claim. to me it's it sounds to me like someone creating a monster right exactly right? yeah which maybe he did you know what I mean? Maybe, um, you know, we've talked a lot about how an experiencer's perception shapes what they what they experience, right? Yeah. So maybe he did help create it, right? But it is, I think that all of his descriptions are weird. They all feel weird to me. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. He, I don't know, he gives me a weird vibe all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, even even in watching the interviews with him, I watched an interview uh, that was performed by actually Lorraine Warden Warren, um, yeah. talking with the couple, and just the way that Jack spoke, it was more so like disinterested, uh, like uninterested, more so. Um, not really matter of factly, but just like, yeah, this is what happened. More so, like it, it, there was no real emotion to it or anything. Uh, yeah. it, it almost seemed like he questioned himself, like you know, like was he telling what he thought was the truth or was he just telling a story? Sure, I, I watched. I watched a small bit of of one of the interviews um, a couple days ago, and I, I mean, I'll just say it. I couldn't shake the feeling like he he came off like he was paid to be there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just like, yeah, yeah, and then this, and then that, yeah. And they that's, would ask that's a question, what I'm saying. and he'd go, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, that's just, just how he comes off, like... Which it's weird that do, that to me doesn't seem like someone 
emotionally invested in right it's been traumatized and terrorized by all these like weird occurrences and things like that right and you know everybody handles trauma differently and in a unique way but sure right he he gives i there's no getting around the fact that he gives me a weird vibe agreed like yeah that's that's a fact so yeah i mean that and that's kind of what i was getting at as far as like the him describing like this this encounter right and this succubus yeah. sort of sort of demonic thing right um yeah is it just almost seemed too scripted in a sense to me yeah i i agree it was either i mean maybe we're misreading it and it's just someone who distances themselves maybe. from it you that's, know, that's because possible. it's that's possible traumatizing. I don't know. It, it's hard to say, um, but it I, it felt weird yeah. to listen to. Agreed, for sure. All right, you want to talk about the priests? Yeah. No. Uh, so what? I mean, obviously, we we know we we had several priests come through the house, especially uh, Father McKenna, doing sure. multiple exorcisms with no you know no results. Sanctioning. Basically. Um, that too, right? Um, yeah. and then uh, even in the midst of the spotlight that they were in, there was a a priest that was allowed to come and stay with the family for a couple of days, which ended up being like two or three days, and where nothing happened, no experiences, nothing in the home yeah. during that time. Yeah, that to me, I think, is a red flag. Because I would feel, especially if there was a heavy demonic force in the house, having a priest... Right, would stir things up. Would Right. I would I, think at least. Yeah. The only thing that pulls me back from that is, like, the trickster element. Uh, yeah. To all this, I, you know I mean, what I mean? I see that too. I see that too, but... Like, like I, think of the think of the presence in the house, like the older brother that's like sticking his tongue out at his sister until his mom spins her head around, and then he like clams up real quick, right? Or you just like I mean? in the story where this demon turned the daughters against each other, like basically yeah. it would start hiding like their toys and things like that, and yeah. making the other trickster like, stuff think that the yeah that the other had done it, and so you know so on and so forth, whatever. Yeah, so, which is. The most classic motif for paranormal stuff ever is trickster stuff. Right. Way back to like the Fae stories and all that is trickster stuff is always in there, right? Like they're always tying people's shoelaces together. <laughs> right. But I also look one at the same thing at the same time. You know, you have Jack being thrown against the wall as he's like kneeling by his bedside to pray. Yeah. So like it's not very trickstery. Exactly. So I feel like having the priest there that would intensify something sure. like that may and, and maybe i'm wrong something violent right yeah but that was i mean that's that was kind of my thoughts as you know as i was like investigating into this and everything um or researching into it but um it, i just that to me i again i i just felt like was was one of those red flags yeah it, yeah it's weird it's also fairly common, right? And some would say that that's because most of the stories are bullshit. 
and when someone actually from the outside of the family comes in to watch and nothing happens because nothing ever happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, that's the ultimately skeptical take on it. See, and, um, and there was there was also Ed, Ed Warren had claimed that he was taking, like, these audio recordings and everything and going to submit them to the Catholic Church. But when it was later asked, you know, t- to the church whether or not they ever received these right, they audio no. recordings, they had never even heard anything about them. Which is another classic hoaxer thing. Right. Like, if, if you're... You know how many crypt, like cryptozoological hoaxers ha- add that claim to their story that, like, I sent specimens to the Smithsonian? And then you're like, hey, Smithsonian. And they're like, no, no. Yeah. We never got any... We never got any 14-inch lizard claws. Like, yeah, it's yeah. So I mean, you know, just a, a combination of all these things really kind of just spark the skeptic in me. Sure. You know, whereas in a lot of these types of cases, I'll buy it. You know, I yeah. love a good haunting. Me too. Me too, man. I love a good poltergeist. Oh yeah, for sure. I. And we've covered some that I legitimately believe. Yeah, same. We're like, you know, when you talk about like Black Forest in Colorado, oh, I think yeah. those people 100%. legitimately had experiences. You know what I mean? Like we've covered ones that that I this isn't one. Yeah, I, I don't think honestly it's not for me either. Like I the the biggest, I mean my my biggest the biggest I guess deciding factor in that is that the they immediate you know they request the press like back off and then immediately are sp- have spy like sparked a book deal yeah um, yeah it's you weird. know they definitely just, they definitely profited from the story yeah which yeah. you know i don't know if that was their initial intentions you know if sure. this was completely hoaxed which it might not have been completely it might have been something but it might have been extremely embellished and uh, you know especially yeah. once they brought in the war. Yeah, they could have. I mean, there's always the chance that they had a few experiences and then someone came in and was like, look, we can cook this up. Right. And we can get you a book deal. Or, we can turn it into a movie. Like, you know, or even made them think that it was far worse than what it, what it, what it yeah, actually yeah. was. Played it up to yeah. them. Yeah. At that point, it's going to you know cause that kind of group hysteria sort effect. of thing right yes. exactly yep. um so i mean yeah I mean, it could be one or the other but i it's tough for me to to buy into this story which is a huge bummer yeah yeah it, before we end i want to talk about the pig man <laughs> okay yeah i can't not talk about the pig man that was like i tried to get I tried to get a, I tried to get more information on that one, but it was it was very sparse. That's okay. I I have like a deep hatred for encounter stories where no conclusion is ever explained. Yeah, it drives yeah, me that's crazy. <laughs> like a giant pig man chased me through the house, <laughs> that's and then it. what? Right. Like yeah, what fucking happened? That drives me nuts. You know how many people say, like, uh, well, I saw a full-body apparition. How did it get there, and how did it leave? Like, 
you have to say it. Right. Did any, shit, you anything I mean? else happen? Like, can you elaborate a little bit? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not really able to elaborate. Uh, you know, it was one of those things that it was just one of those... Because the family did claim to hear randomly, like, the sounds of, like, pig noises and grunts and things like that. Oh, yeah, all. like animal noises in the house, right. right? Yeah, yeah. And then, which I think that led to him seeing or imagining this figure. Yeah. And I think that's just all she wrote. Like, all she wrote to well, him, you know? I'm sure, you know, Ed Baggins, Zach Warren would say that it was a demon, right? <laughs> right, yeah. It was, it was a crazy pig demon. Yeah. Just um, something that materialized and dematerialized in an instant. Yeah, I just, I kind of like... I hate when stuff like that is tossed in with no elaboration. Yeah, you're welcome. It feels like, you know when someone's like telling you a lie and you can tell that they're lying because they're giving so many extraneous details? Yeah. You know, like if someone's telling you why they're late and they give you 14 reasons why they're late. Well, I had to stop by the bathroom and then uh, my shoe was untied. Um Right, and I bent down to tie it, and then like spotted an the candy wrapper in the window, uh, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> right, yes. That's what this feels like to me. Is like, like we just need a little more pepper in the gumbo, <laughs> so they just toss uh, something else in. Oh, I have an idea. A pig yeah. man. Let's right. let's let's mention the pig man. Yeah. Remember how our seven-year-old daughter that one time said she heard a pig noise. Let's turn that into a monster that's also here. That would be great. That'll scare all the people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I, I, I get I agree. I agree. It, it's kind of it is kind of thrown into the mix. Um but I mean that's that's the general gist of it is, you know, and that's yeah. that was my take is that you know, as just like the succubus as fast as it came it went. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as it came, it left. Right. Um, okay, so there's a moment on an Oprah interview. On the interview that they did with Oprah. All right. Um, where Janet described a time when they weren't living in the house anymore. They still owned the house, but they weren't staying there anymore. Right. Okay. And she went over to the house with a priest. It was her and the priest went in. And they both witnessed hundreds of flies on the front porch that grew to the size of rats in front of their eyes and swarmed them. Rat-sized flies? Yes. So they saw the hundreds of flies on the porch, and then they watched the flies grow in size to the size of rats and then swarm them. Hmm. Yeah. So they formed a Megazord. <laughs> See, that's the thing. If there were a hundred flies, did they become like ten giant flies? <laughs> right. Or I mean that that were they now a hundred giant flies? My assumption, or or that because oh man, a hundred giant flies of, versus ten giant flies would be that's a, lot. a big difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guess okay so. I'm going to I'm going to huh. play the skeptic again. Ready? So, here's what I think happened. I think this was an abandoned house. No one was living there anymore. 
it's super common, especially in the Northeast, for fly to have those like huge groups of flies on windowsills. Right. Of course. On you know what I mean? And this is like a windowed it's like a three season room, basically, their front porch. And they have I think there were a ton of flies in there, but I think there were also a couple bats in there. It's possible, yeah. In the porch. And I think when they pu- they flew the door open to go into this porch, the flies kicked up, the bats kicked up. I think that's flies dispersed, bats stuck around and flocked to the area. Well, I, I mean, they were probably swarmed by the f- mm, normal flies right, coming out the door and the bats going for the exit, right? So, like, that, that would make a lot of sense. I that, that's definitely I do not buy rat-sized flies. <laughs> sure, of course not. It's just another weird thing. I mean, I, I, I put the link for that Oprah interview in the show notes. So sweet. Everyone should go listen because they actually talk about some some other stuff that that you don't normally find in the in the story yeah. for this. Um, it's some pretty weird stuff, like stuff about them going on camping trips and still experiencing well in this haunting one, style did, stuff while they were camping. They did go on a camping trip and experienced the spirit of the young girl. Yeah, that apparently picked up a big like metal or steel or whatever trash can like barrel yeah and spun it in the air literally in midair and then threw yeah. it yeah and they hightailed you know hightailed it out yeah so did they ultimately get an actual like vatican sanctioned exorcism by the end of it the church did agree to perform a proper exorcism um okay yeah, I think after it I followed them to had, another house, right? I think that they had they had contacted the Vatican at that point and were authorized. Okay, but yeah, that was after they had moved into their new home. I wonder if that's because them moving and it staying with them proved that it was attached to them rather than the property. Than the house, right? Yeah, because I mean, you know what I the mean? new because couple that eventually moved into the the house after them on no Chase problems, Street right? never had any problems, right? Yeah. So it makes you think that it was probably attached to them or maybe the daughters. Um, which seems like it would make it better for, a, you know, better, more. It seems like it would make it more subject to exorcism if it's a, an attachment to a person yeah. rather than a building. Right. Right. I've never been clear on whether you can perform it because I know you hear a lot of I mean, people performing like minor exorcisms on a space. Right. You know which what I mean? all that that is is just a blessing. Yeah. It's just like a cleansing. right? Exactly. Like same right. as like saging your house. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can do, you can perform a full blown exorcism on an actual area, a, a place. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. At least to I my mean, understanding. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, honestly, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, this has been episode 54 The Smurl Haunting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, 
and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes. We're just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram. The brilliant mind behind the gorgeous music that you hear each week behind the debrief. So go find him at reverentmusic.bandcamp.com or you can visit his Spotify page by searching Reverent, R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T. All of these links can be found in the episode description. Go and support him. You both deserve it. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.